0: Three Season a Pod, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors. A look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication.
1: Hello and welcome to Three Season a Pod from Provision Advisors, where we give you insights and analysis on the day's hot topics and trends. Folks, it's been an intense week. There's no shortage of compelling news worth our commentary from Dr. Fauci testimony on the Hill, new coronavirus cases in and around the White House, and could we possibly see baseball by the July 4th weekend? There's much to discuss. As always, we're gonna start the show by going around the table. Chris, I'll start with you. Uh, Is there anything back there in your rearview mirror that you're focused on?
0: For me, the big thing is the V-shaped recovery, this idea that we were gonna recover, or this hope that we were gonna recover um, quickly, if you look at the news reporting, there is still very much a hope and a belief that like natural disasters or like other problems that Americans have faced in recent memory, will come out of this uh, almost as quick as we went in. I think people are starting to now realize that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've heard this term, the new normal. Um, I, I don't know if it's the new normal, but um, I, I think... The idea of a V-shaped recovery, which comes from the you know sort of an economic view of you know like a V, you drop yes. down, you hit a point, and then you come back up. I think it's going to look a lot more sawtooth. And whether that's um, on the health side, whether it's on the economic side, I think whether it's on the communication side, you're going to see a lot of ups and downs over the next couple months. Um, so the hope of we got into it quick. We're going to get out of it quick. Is very much fading
2: uh, for me uh, and for many Americans. Okay. Okay.
1: John, over to you.
2: Yeah, I really enjoy the dynamic of Elon Musk finding a new and unique way to inject himself into uh, you know a catastrophic news story, whether it's <laughs> you know it's like a a Thai soccer team stuck in a cave or a global pandemic, Elon Musk finds his way into uh, center stage and, and he, and he does it in, you know, a, a new and annoying way. Every time uh, this particular one, in case people didn't see it in the news, uh, basically, you know, he dared, you know, the sheriffs of uh, Alameda County in California where the Tesla um, factory is, you know, basically dared them, To arrest him because he viewed the tesla factory as mission essential and You know wanted it open you know, no enforcement measures, you know, come arrest me if you don't like it And I just found it to be very unhelpful, uh, at a time where you have dr Fauci and and everyone, you know, just sort of telling everyone to pump the brakes on this quote-unquote recovery that's out there or impending um, you know, it, it seems like the second certain people get like a nibble of that possibility, they just decide to push their chips all in. And in this particular case, Elon Musk did it. And, you know, it's just one of those things where if you're one of the richest people in the world, do the rules apply to you? Mm-hmm. Uh, in this particular case, he didn't seem to think so.
1: Yeah. So, uh, this is really a game of chicken, right? Who's going to, who's <laughs> going to swerve, uh, first, uh, is it going to be uh, Tesla and Elon Musk? Or, um, or the state of California. Uh, in reading the stories, uh, I was seeing where, you know, he's talked with, uh, with Governor Newsom. Uh, so you figure there's gonna be some sort of like deal struck. Um, and, and John, you're right, you know, to that whole point of like, it's just kind of a nuisance with regard to everything else that's going on. Um, and then the whole you know, other states saying like, oh, well, we'd love to have your factory you know, over here. Um, Th- just the theatrics of it uh, are a bit much,
2: and he loves it. That's what he wants, and right. and this is why I bring it up here. In that, you know, Elon Musk has sold his brand. He has made himself unique with his sometimes off the wall ideas, whether it's building a hyperloop or, you know, the Tesla brand itself or putting people into space. You know, he he does push the envelope, and he communicates it very provocatively. In this particular case. Yeah, you know, he, he's putting people in harm's way. And, and I, I understand that there are a ton of people at this plant, um, 10,000 workers and, and that's a huge part of the local economy there. But yeah, you know, dude, that let's, let's put common sense above death.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Uh, so Chris, to your point that you were making, uh, here's something that grabbed my attention and continues to grab my attention, you know, as this pandemic, uh, continues to roll forward and whether we're going to, to you know, how long it's going to stretch out or when are we going to get out. Um, I don't know if you guys saw where Carnival Cruises has said they're set to resume sailing uh, by as early as 1 August. Uh, their sales jumped 600% uh, when compared with the same time period last year. Uh, you have to remember it was the CDC who initially uh, issued the no sale order uh, to all the cruise lines. Um, so, you know, that whole, uh, Chris, you used the term, uh, you know, new normal, there's this attitude we're seeing it um we're seeing it in a lot of places not just in in cruise lines uh even with mother's day uh people going out to restaurants wanting to get back to whatever sense of normalcy or other uh traditions that they might have uh before we got into this pandemic so so again what continues to grab my attention is how different pieces of our society decide you know hey i you know forget the mask forget all the ppe Um, I want to go back to living my life a certain way. And, you know, just that, that we, uh, I don't know how you see uh, cruise ships, like some people refer to them as big Petri dishes. Um, But wow, what is driving people to actually say, hey, look, you know what, as soon as I can get back on a cruise ship, um, the better, Uh, (laughs) you know, uh, pandemic aside. So that, I mean, I don't know what your guys uh, thinking is on that. Uh, yeah, I think patient, I mean, this
0: kind of, I mean, it's funny, we, we did not, you know, sometimes we'll coordinate um, our thoughts ahead of time. And for whatever reason today, we kind of jumped on and, you know, hit the record button. And it's interesting because I think we're all feeling, we're seeing the same thing. Um, even with the Tesla story that John mentioned, I mean, I, I think that some line has been crossed in terms of patience, um, in terms of cooperation and I, I don't know what it is I mean I, I've even seen it in my uh, in my 13 year old here uh, at, at the cervello house um, I mean it's just uh, I, I don't know like what alarm went off in people's head but uh, um, I, I think people are really starting to feel antsy we've mentioned the weather before we uh, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I, again I mean I think people are just ready to move forward um, in their own way and for some bash maybe it's getting back on. Cruise ships. I mean, heck, cruise ships have always been petri dishes, right? right. I mean, so I right. think that for diehard cruise fans, they're maybe they're willing to take a bit of risk. And I mean, you know, uh, John, to your point, I mean, Elon Musk, or me, Elon Musk has always been a risk taker. Has always pushed the envelope of what is normal and what is accepted. And so I think this is no no different. Um, and then I think there are others that that are now realizing like, oh, this, uh, this is not going to be what we thought it was. And so, right. I mean, all of that is, is coming together um, th- this
2: week and, and really, uh, I think, driving people crazy in their own unique way. Well, I don't mean to drag the president into this as I often do, but the, here's, here's the issue is that a lot of people take their tone and a lot of people follow the lead of the, of the lead dog. And, and I think that for the most part, audiences are sensing the same amount of impatience in the commander in chief. And he, he talks about that. He, every single time up on the podium, it's like, he's trying to give that insatiable audience, that little nibble of a return to normalcy. And it's almost like every other time he does it, Fauci or Burks have to be like, no, no, that's not, that's not going to be the way it is. That's it isn't going to be that soon, or it's not going to be that few uh, deaths. And so this is where those news conferences matter, you know, whether it's the other day out in the garden when he ended it abruptly because, you know, he he didn't like the way it was going and told the reporter to ask China about how it happened. And, you know, they, they can just sense that his attention span for this is waning and that this is a quintessentially Trump slash American way of approaching things like at the rule, the rules don't apply to us. We're the greatest country in the world. We'll be okay. Uh, this isn't Asia. This isn't Europe. This is America. And, and damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. And, and when that happens, when they hear that from the highest levels of leadership and communication, they start to implement them in their own lives. And that's when things go bad. And that that's the challenge. Um,
0: I mean, this will seem maybe a little trite, but at, at the presidential level, and especially with this president, uh, at least I kind of roll my eyes a little bit, your point notwithstanding. I wonder what, um, I wonder what like, organization leaders do, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we sort of had this, like there was the initial panic, and then like everybody's up on Zoom, things are working, people are feeling good. I mean, you can almost plot this, and it's almost like we were up and now we're back down. Um And you, you really have to get whether it's your household, if that's your organization, or whether it's your little company, uh, or whether it's a big company, mm-hmm. like the challenge really is now to, to get back to that basic level of communication in terms of like keeping people focused on what the mission is at hand, if you're the President, it's kind of, you know, it's health of the nation balanced with economic recovery. Um, And to your point, the American attendance ban is working against that communication effort.
1: Yes. And that and Chris, you make a great point when you when you whittle it down to um, like those, those sort of basic steps. Is it your household? Is it your small business? Is it your large business? You know, where is it that you're trying to wrap your arms around that communication space? And quite honestly, for a lot of people, it's several places. Right. So you're dealing with what you have here and you're at home. And you're not really leaving. Everyone's looking at each other and trying to, to to navigate that space. And then you venture off into you know wherever it is in your home to do your work. Um, it's amazing this this the whole back. John and I were talking about this uh, off air that the fascination we have now with the, the people's backdrops. Um, you know, as they as they carve out uh, a space to talk in their home. But but yeah, like you said, um, that that sort of. Psychology around just how you communicate, uh, whether it's in your home or whether it's with your small business, and just trying to get your head around uh, where we are um, in the in the space. And and we're gonna, you know, we're just gonna have to continue to deal with this. Uh, I know folks want to force the issue, depending on where they are in the country, uh, which state they live in. Um, You know, as John was saying, Dan, the torpedo is full speed ahead, uh, but we really have to be careful or I, I implore folks to, to continue to be careful uh, as they go forward.
0: Yeah, and I mean, ideally you're, you're able to sense that change or that need for uh, a tweak in you know, communication or leadership ahead of the bump that you know, drives you to react. Uh, you know in our house we we're falling behind that. Uh, it tends to be the emotions of the 13 year old that that drives the change in communication here. So uh, we need to do a better job uh, at Casa Cervello in terms of sensing and getting ahead. I can only imagine as you zoom out into
1: you know thousand person companies uh, right. the, the challenge that exists and the need to get ahead that exists. Definitely. Uh, It's something we're going to continue to watch, uh, not only in our own households, but uh, as we continue to monitor uh, the news of the day. Uh, Folks, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We've got a uh, special interview coming up here in just a second. Uh, Stick with us. You're listening to Three C's in a Pod.
0: Provision Advisors, we prepare your team for the what-ifs you never thought you'd encounter. Let us help solve your toughest communication challenges and leave your team stronger and more capable for the opportunities that lie
2: ahead.
1: And we're back. You're listening to Three Seas in a Pod, and we have a very special guest with us today on the show. He's a 26-year veteran of the United States Navy, having served as the chief of information in his last Pentagon assignment, a former executive director to the Navy League, and chief advisor to the president for Navy Mutual, not to mention serving as the lone special assistant for public affairs under two former chairs of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to welcome Rear Admiral Stephen Petropoli to the program. Sir, thank you for coming on the show today. It's a pleasure, Bash. Great to be Out, here. Outstanding. Outstanding. Uh, Admiral, like each of us here on the show, um, Chris, John, and I, we've each spent time cutting our teeth on the Navy news desk early on in our careers. Uh, looking back, how beneficial was that time to the furtherance of your career in public affairs? And what skills would it take to succeed at that position today, given the current uh, communication environment?
3: I think the news desk for me, as I hope it was for each of you, was kind of the crucible that, that uh honed my public affairs skills. I mean, when you're interacting with the daily national news media on a daily basis, in those days we had a, an actual deadline cycle, right? I mean uh, newspapers and the evening news was, was driving the, the decisions and the timeline for response. But the ability to bring aboard vast amounts of information on subjects you're not particularly deep on, obviously, but you need to be able to put it in intelligible terms to relay to the American people via the news media. That's a skill and a craft that uh, serves every communicator well. It's particularly applicable in crisis situations, but I think the clarity and speed of being able to respond serves every communicator well.
1: When you were at the Pentagon uh, during 9-11, you had to uh, corral your people on that day and the days afterward, uh, in order to continue with the mission at hand. Uh, as you look at what we're going through with this pandemic, uh, can you draw on any similarities and contrast uh, to how to operate within a, you know, during, after a crisis? Uh, what are some of uh, the things that you look to key in on uh, in terms of dissemination of information? Uh, let me just share one thing, Bash. I was in the Pentagon, as you
3: mentioned, and we were on the side of the building hit by the plane. And it was impressive to me how the people at that moment, the 25,000 people in the Pentagon, uh, at least half of whom are civilians, DOD employees, Defense Department employees, how they reacted. It was as orderly and as calm an evacuation as you could imagine. There was no panic. There was, as you came to choke points and doors to exit the building, there was no pushing and shoving, and people just calmly. Obviously, there was uh, a fair amount of uh, fear and uncertainty, but it was impressive the way they uh, exited evacuated that building. Uh, we formed up our team out in the parking lot in South Parking. I immediately told those who I did not need to be with me that day to find a way home, which was not going to be easy. We took muster. And then a core group of us uh, set out to find new offices to work from or workspace to work from uh, so that we could continue the Navy's communication effort. Frankly, I, I was concerned about notification of next of kin and getting an accurate count of who left. So we made our way up the hill to Henderson Hall, which was also closed down and, and eventually set up in the Department of Transportation, Virginia uh, Department of Transportation, for a while before they let us back into the old Navy annex. It is. A very different kind of event, 9-11 obviously was a rolling crisis, if you will, with COVID. It took us some time to realize, the as a nation and as uh, American people, to realize the severity of this problem, the degree of risk that it posed, whereas 9-11 was a much more singular, traumatic two hours uh, in our lives. Uh, And the military was front and center in 9-11, particularly in our response. Uh, here, the military plays a supporting role uh, as needed, our primary role in the, in the military is to continue to defend national interests across the globe and American citizens across the globe. And they need to stay focused on that primary mission and then support as asked with medical supplies, uh, Corps of Engineers building um, uh, additional field hospitals, and frankly, the kinds of Feel good events like the Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds uh, saluting America's current real heroes, current first responders, if you will, and the medical community. And frankly, those who are still out there on the front lines providing
2: groceries and other vital services to those of us isolating at home. Admiral uh, John Schofield here. You brought up the Blue Angels and uh, Chris and Bashan know for a fact that I'm a notorious Blue Angels hater. I always said when I was the PAO at the Naval Academy, my happiest moment of every Blue Angels show during commissioning week was when they did the final aerial acrobatics and then flew away. Um, do you think that this is an appropriate use of uh, resources uh, for the Navy and and is does it feel a little odd? We were talking a little bit before we were on air. It, does it seem contrived like the, the Navy is trying to inject itself or the military is trying to inject itself into a non-military problem by stealing a little bit of the... Uh, Of the headlines, or is this purely, hey, we want to salute healthcare workers and this is the only way we know how to do it? Are there other ways we can do that without flying around blue planes? Well, I think the the public is doing it in lots of ways. You know, you have a lot of people going
3: outdoors at 7 p.m. each night and banging pots and pans to salute their local healthcare heroes. I don't consider it inappropriate. Look, the the flight demonstration teams are exactly that. They're flight demonstration teams. Could we repaint those planes and put them into combat if we needed to? Sure. But they are there for. You know, community outreach, public relations uh, kinds of uh, missions to begin with, this is a very appropriate mission for them. I'd rather see the Blue Angels doing a salute to healthcare workers than
0: flying combat air patrol over the nation's capital. No, that's a very good point. Chris? You mentioned some of the differences between uh, COVID-19 and 9-11, but as communicators, whether in uniform or, or out or uh, in the in national security sectors or in the private sector. What unique things should communicators be doing during this crisis that maybe they weren't doing uh, previously? I mean, are, are there specific things that you would say if, if you were you know, the head of uh, of the Navy's Office of Information right now that you would want folks to to focus on that maybe they weren't doing day to day?
3: Well, I think you guys talked about it in your first segment there. One of the things that I think every communicator needs to have right now is, as Dr. Fauci talked about yesterday, uh, humility. There's a lot we don't understand about not only this virus, there's a lot we don't understand about individual people's reactions to this virus. They are as wide and varied as our population. I have been struck with how many young people are deeply concerned and are doing a better job than old folks like myself of adhering to the social distancing, wearing a mask, not going out, washing their hands after touching a package, uh, in part because th- this is very new to them. Some of us have enough uh, years under, the, under the, uh, our belt to have weathered other adversities. But in part, I think um, they understand this unseen, invisible enemy uh, can do serious damage to them, or more importantly in some cases, Bring it home to a loved one who is in a higher risk category, either because of immune-compromised comorbidities or just being old, like me. Um, So it, it is a diverse audience that individuals in the government, in the private sector, the military, are trying to communicate with. The Navy's experience on the Theodore Roosevelt, a significant number of sailors were infected. I believe there has been just the one tragic fatality of the chief petty officer uh, because, by and large, that's a healthy, youthful cohort. But it is an extremely challenging environment in which to control this virus. So I would expect sailors and soldiers and airmen and Marines to be very concerned, living in barracks, living on ships, about the speed with which this can spread. So you may have a young, healthy group who still has a much higher Fear factor, if you will, than you would expect, given the uh, generally the consequences for a younger person who contracts
0: a disease. We've talked before about um, opportunity out of crisis, whether that's you know economic opportunity or whether it's communication opportunity. As a senior communicator, how do you find that opportunity uh, without tipping over and appearing hamfisted or or doing more more harm than good? I, th- I think that many parts of our
3: society and our government have, in fact, been able to use this crisis to communicate what their organization or what their um, uh, facility or company does. Uh, I know I know a lot more about our public health system than I did beforehand. I know a lot more about the Centers for Disease Control and. Uh, You know, there's a lot that they have done to come to the forefront and uh, the same is true for the medical community, the trauma, EMTs, all those first responders that are involved. I think it's a real challenge for anybody on the periphery to try to use this crisis to communicate value. For example, you know, your question earlier about the blues, do they seem like, you know, hey, they're they're trying to steal a piece of the attention here. I, I think they did it in response. I think it was appropriate. Uh, But that would be, if they were doing it in order to try to, hey, look at us, we're doing a lot, I I think there's a real challenge to that because people just don't care. And they frankly don't expect the military to be the ones to be making us feel better. They expect the military to be the ones to be protecting us from foreign adversaries uh, and and, uh, threats to our national interests across the globe. So we wouldn't have survived in my tenure as um, a Navy public affairs officer If we weren't able to take our core messages during a time of crisis and move them to the forefront, when you have the attention of the news media and the public, then you need to be uh, fully committed to continuing to uh, put forth your core value proposition, what you do. If you're a, a meat producer right now, you've got a core value. And you need to continue to explain how you are part of the supply chain that keeps America fed and healthy. The same is true for the military. In this case, uh, the things that we're doing are add-ons and nice to have uh, in, many, in many instances. Thank, thankfully, the capabilities the Navy has or the military has brought to bear domestically in this crisis have not been needed. We're all thankful for that. I hope that none of the field hospitals, you know, get to capacity. I'm glad that the comfort wasn't required in New York, that their hospital system was able to handle the patient load that they had, uh, and we're standing by to do more uh, as as asked. But our primary mission would be uh, over there,
2: Admiral. You mentioned the uh, the relationships with news media, or as you're as you're doing your messaging, whether you're the military or you're the meat company or whoever is trying to to lead an organization of people through this, um, you know, the, the medium by which you get those messages out is the news media. And we're in a very unique time for the news media. We talked to uh, Pam Wood of the Baltimore Sun last week, uh, which was a very insightful conversation about the challenges she's facing, you know, kind of on the local uh, Maryland level, but really how the news media has been viewed in the uh, era of Donald Trump and and the confrontations at the podium. What, what do you think the long-term impact of the fake news, quote unquote, dynamic is going to be on uh, the media and public relations officers or PAO's relationships with the media? Well, one. let me say I'm not pleased
3: at the public's decreasing regard for the role of the fourth estate. Uh, I was a, you know, kind of a Watergate kid. uh, All the president's men, you know, uh, Woodward and Bernstein, the the news media are the ones who ferret out wrongdoing on the part of governments and other organizations. Um, But I will say also that this is not new to this administration. The decline in public confidence in the news media has been a steady perhaps accelerating now, but a steady trend for decades now. It is not a good thing for a democratic society to not have sources of information they can rely upon, but it is not a one-sided affair as how we got here. The news media uh, in uh, many cases are driven by the same kinds of pressures to get subscriptions and viewerships and clicks and et cetera, Uh, as any other business and one main difference between you talk about 9-11 and this 9-11 was a unifying moment for America. This COVID-19 crisis has had the opposite effect. It has increased polarization. The rhetoric you read about in the news media and and this is across the various Forums, uh, whether it's Fox, MSNBC, CNN, The Washington Post, New York Times, and the networks, the rhetoric is is increasingly polarized, ideological, and that is hugely troubling. Instead of unifying this nation behind a common cause to seek a solution, we have increasingly allowed politics to play on the front page and in the lead story of the broadcast, uh, and that's. That's a little different. Uh, there were certainly some finger pointing post 9-11, but it was a, long, a bit of a longer time after 9-11 as the nation rallied and rose to the challenge of responding and getting a, a lower Manhattan and the Pentagon you know, rebuilt. We're just not seeing that now. So it's, and for communicators, your question about how this affects communicators, I cannot imagine trying to be effective the way I was as a lieutenant on that news desk today, given the level of mistrust, mutual mistrust between communicators uh, and many members of the press corps. You used to be able to have honest conversations with reporters who you felt were trying to get significant information and not just looking for a, a wedge between a Pentagon official and the administration. That happened in my time for sure. Politics has always been a part of, of uh, government relations and military media relations, but it is it such it seems to be the only thing now that matters is milking that uh, sound bite or that ink bite uh, to show the Pentagon or some Pentagon officials on a different page than some other official in the government. And as long as that's the case, I think it's going to be very difficult for anyone to communicate effectively.
1: Admiral, we'll uh, we'll look to close you out here on, on on this one right here, and sort of extrapolate on your last response. Given uh, what we've seen over the past few months uh, with the coronavirus and how we've responded to it, is there anything that you've seen from a uh, a business or brand in terms of how they communicate uh, to their audience? Anything to you that sticks out as, as as oh okay that was you know that was good or 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 to the contrary? Uh, that was not so good, and then to finish it off, what advice would you give in terms of hey given given uh, this covid nineteen uh, pandemic uh, here 's the one communication method that 's tried and true uh, for moving forward you 've
3: obviously watched those of us in the business watch and see the change obviously in the way products are advertised and the way services are advertised there 's a lot of feel good advertising there 's a lot of support for our, our uh, people on the front lines and healthcare community, et cetera, as a way to enhance brand, uh, right? People saluting those heroes while trying to uh, bask in the reflected glow of their greatness, greatness for their product. And that's, you know, the cynical part of me sees that and rolls my eyes a little bit, but I, I get it. I mean, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief and just think that's sincere appreciation for those who are doing a hell of a hard job every day. You cannot over-communicate in a crisis with your internal audience. You probably can't over-communicate with the external audience. You cannot over-communicate to your internal audience. so for companies and government officials, uh, members of the military, squadron commanders, ship commanders, uh, battalion commanders, you, you will do well to continue to do your best to keep your people informed. When you don't know, you don't know, but what you do know, you need to be uh, disseminating as quickly as possible. I just don't think there's a lot of safe ground right now to try to communicate externally, except as helpful to educating the public that you're trying, if you are still one of the vital services, that you're trying to meet demand. You're a hand sanitizer manufacturer, people are interested in your product and people are interested in when you're gonna be able to meet the demand. Beyond that, I think you focus on your internal comms.
1: There you have it, folks. He's the Navy's former chief of information, Admiral Stephen Petropoli. Sir, I want to thank you for coming on the show today.
3: You're most welcome, guys. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully I haven't lulled anybody into a coma in my not conversation. <laughs> Never.
1: <laughs> not at all. Thank so you, sir. at all. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we want you to stick with us. You're listening to Three Seas in a Pod.
0: At Provision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior-level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. We work together with your team to achieve favorable outcomes amid contentious or controversial issues which directly impact relationships and market identity.
1: We're back, and it is time to look out on the horizon. John, I'm going to go to you first. What do you see going on in the week ahead? Uh, my
2: horizon is filled with uh, the new normal, as we keep saying at the Naval Academy commissioning ceremony, which is typically end of May, uh, the Friday of Memorial Day weekend every single year. Obviously, this year it's not happening. We do know that uh, President Trump is calling back the uh, West Point cadets in uh, mass, so uh, he can speak to them during their commissioning ceremony uh, in early June. Um, but you know, the Naval Academy canceled their traditional ceremony that came with Blue Angel flyovers in the past and things like that. And now they're doing them in smaller groups. It's like five different groups of about 200 mids uh, at a time, uh, graduating no longer in the uh, football stadium, Navy Marine Corps stadium, but they're doing graduation ceremonies uh, seated far apart in Tecumseh court. I'm looking forward to how that really impacts the, how special that ceremony is for them. I mean, Chris, of the three of us, you're the only one to have gone through a Naval Academy commissioning ceremony, but uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how those celebrations go and, um, and also how it affects how the Naval Academy does things going forward. Um, the next alligator closest to the boat for the Naval Academy will be Induction Day, which a lot of people think is far away. It's not, it's usually right around July 1st. So the new normal is is very odd, but something as we talked about in the earlier segments with the Admiral is something that we have to do. Uh, but I'm interested to see how uh, how it's done and how it's communicated. Chris, over to you. Mine is very similar to, to
0: John's. Um, finding that balance is the way I would have described it, but it could easily be uh, considered finding the new normal. Um, just very quickly to John's point, I'm torn, uh, John, in terms of, um, I don't know if I would have felt like, hey, I I don't care about uh, COVID-19. I still want my commissioning um, experience. I want to be able to throw my hat up in the air with my thousand classmates, Um, you know, like every uh, commissioning. Uh, and graduation ceremony, or uh, on the flip side, I don't know if I would have said, you know what, I'm just happy that it's over and I'm ready to move on to the next step. I, I don't know where I would have, uh, would have fallen. Um, and that same balance is kind of where society is right now. I mean, like we talked about in the, in the first segment and like the Admiral talked about, balancing that, um, that physical health with the economic health or with the emotional health, um, that that's a that's gonna be a tough balance as people try to find this new normal. I mean, it, it you know reminds me of a, of a fulcrum, right? I mean, I'm kind of pantomiming here. You guys can't see me, but I'm Italian and talk with my hands. But you know, some days it's gonna be about keeping that curve flattened, and other days it's gonna be about, hey, we've got to make payroll, or we've got to make this uh, this quarterly milestone from an economic standpoint, and. Uh, we were talking before we came on. Um, other days it's gonna be about like, hey, I've got to keep my teenager or my young kids, you know, you know, I've got to worry about their mental health. So I'm willing to take a little bit of risk and allow some friends to come over and get them outside and get them doing something that feels normal. So this week, next week, the next couple of weeks, I think finding that balance individually, finding it as organizations and then finding it as a society. Um I think will be what a lot of people are focused on, and it will, I think, be the crux of
1: many communication challenges and opportunities moving forward. As always, you both are uh, you're both providing some salient points right there uh, that we should pay attention to, and I'll, I'll try to keep that theme going just a little bit as I uh, look to close out here. A uh, t- couple things that got my attention: one was Jack, right? Jack from Twitter. Um, announcing the other day that, you know, heretofore, any, any employee of Twitter can work from home. So again, as we look back on what are some, and we've talked about this before, the patterns that this has created that that we're seeing, uh, new ways of doing business, new habit forming situations here, where we find that, well, you know, it may be this is a position uh, that you can work from home, whereas before you were coming in to work every day. So uh, and one of the one of the other things that caught my attention was those of you who use Uber Eats or Doordash Grubhub, whatever what you 're starting to see I know at least in this area and i 'm sure um, various cities across the nation where people are deciding to no longer use those as, as much when you look at like anywhere from ten percent to thirty percent in fees that they charge uh, that you will wind up having to pay for, and that comes away from the profit to to your local restaurant. So some people uh, are starting to say, well, okay, I'd rather support that local business, so I'm going to order straight from them, uh, and then I'll actually either if, look if they have a delivery service, they have a delivery service, or you take it upon yourself to get in your car, leave your home, go pick up your food. So again, just a couple of things as we talk about again, I hate you know would say it, but the, the new normal, but what are those what are these new habits? What are these new things that we're starting to focus on as this pandemic continues and as we sort of shape-shift? I'm someone who, you know, I was spending an inordinate amount of money on uh, on Uber Eats and DoorDash, and then I finally dawned on me, like, hey, knucklehead, go to the supermarket and buy groceries, uh, and and maybe sell, uh, save yourself some cash and try cooking for once.
0: I don't know, man, that, uh, that 9 PM, uh, cold stone delivery. I don't care. I don't care if four ice creams cost 60 bucks after like three glasses of wine, boy, that, uh, that, that ice cream is right on time. At, at so that, that can, can stay part of, uh, of our new, uh, of our new That's normal. New normal. Okay. Uh, I'll offer one other one. Sure. Um, I, I've, and maybe it's unique to our business. I've enjoyed the, the de-emphasis of the weekend, um, that, uh, you know, the 40 to 60 to 70 hours that we work a week, I've really enjoyed how that's now been spread out over seven days. So like taking some time midweek, to to do something versus waiting for a Saturday or Sunday or conversely, like spending some work time on a Saturday or Sunday is less of a big deal. So I I, I really feel the schedule flexibility um, as opposed to, you know, a nine to five, five day work week. Um, I mean, that's sort of the glass half full side of, of this, you know, again, quote unquote new normal.
2: Yeah. If only we can get the new normal to incorporate something very like Parisian in the future, like, you know, <laughs> right. like the six-week holiday. You know, not that I want to go through six more weeks of quarantine with my kids, but uh, you yeah, know that that would be that would be just fine with me. Let's uh, let's take it one step further. Well,
0: David. you do make a good point, and I mean, I we're kind of going on, but um, my kids asked me, John. You mentioned holiday. My, my kids asked me, "Hey, are we going to go on vacation?" um because i mean while they're not in school all day and while their life is a lot slower um i think it's anything but relaxing for them um and i wouldn't necessarily call this time relaxing i mean um there's been a lot of adjustment and you know our, our work has continued and in some cases spiked in some places um i do wonder if if um americans are going to find the opportunity uh, to get some vacation uh and get away um to recharge and and you know get that mental health that maybe we don't have right now um despite the time at home.
1: Well Carnival Cruise Lines has the market yeah. for right now. <laughs> <laughs> they figured out who those folks are. Yeah I was thinking about a beach somewhere not a that's right not like a Petri ride. dish cruise ship. <laughs> That's where I'd like to be. Thank you for listening, folks. We appreciate you joining in on the conversation. If you're looking for more information as your business or organization navigates the communication environment, feel free to reach out to us at provisionadvisors.net. In the meantime, be mindful and be safe.
0: Thank you for listening to Three C's in a Pod. Have a great week.